0: Hello, Channel Pros. Welcome back to the Channel Journeys podcast. I am Rob Spee, your cycling, sailing, and partner ecosystem fanatic, and your host of Channel Journeys. Fall is in the air here in Georgia, and we've been having some incredible cycling weather. That's motivating me to get back on the bike and work on getting my legs back. Fall is also the time for 2024 planning and partner program building What changes are you thinking of making to your partner program? If you have a diverse product line, what sort of partner ecosystem do your customers need to have a great experience with each of your products? How do you build a partner program that can support both a diverse product line and a diverse partner ecosystem? To answer those questions, I'm talking today with Mike Day. He is the VP of Global Partner Sales at GoTo. That's the company formerly known as LogMeIn, but they rebranded to GoTo. And they have a large portfolio of products that help people stay connected. He had to build a partner program that would support and motivate partners of all different types, selling all different types of products. Before we dive into my conversation with Mike, I want to give a shout-out to M Partner, the sponsor of Channel Journeys, Building a partner ecosystem requires a powerful partner management solution. And with a global user base of over 4 million partners, Impartner is recognized as a global leading provider of both partner management technologies and partner marketing technologies. Impartner specializes in these cutting-edge solutions for partner relationship management and partner marketing automation. Their platform is built around best practices and sophisticated automation, enabling partner teams like yours to quickly move from program operations to maximum time to value. All right, are you ready to build a diverse ecosystem partner program? Let's go. Welcome to Channel Journeys, the podcast for channel professionals that will enable and inspire you to create your best channel journey ever. Meet and learn from channel experts who share authentic stories of their channel victories, defeats, and lessons learned along the way. Here's your host, Rob Speed, a channel chief on a never-ending quest for channel knowledge and adventure. Hey Mike, good afternoon and welcome to the Channel Journeys podcast. How are you doing today? Well, Rob, I'm a little jealous. It's taken this long to get on here. (laughs) I'm so excited for this conversation. Well, what took you so long, Mike? (laughs) I think it was the
1: invite waiting for me to reply to in the inbox.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, it's probably my fault. Hey, great to have you on the show. Where are you hunkered down today?
1: Uh, Today, I'm out of Littleton, Colorado.
0: Very nice. Very nice. I love Colorado.
1: Yeah, perfect time of the year, the changing of the season, you know, the excitement of everything that comes with the fall, and you know, the excitement as well for the The end of, well, getting closer to the end of this year as we start to really get planning for next year.
0: Yeah, we were just chatting about that. This is the excitement, if you want to call it that, a lot of excitement of closing out this year, closing out the quarter, planning for next year. Definitely a lot of excitement in the air for sure with everything coming and going here. So you've got a lot to deal with at your company at GoTo that I was really eager to chat with you about. In your company, I looked it up. Your mission is to support, manage, and connect your customers and teams based on your website. How's that? Pretty crisp? I mean, it's a perfect summary of the
1: million things we try to do on a daily basis.
0: Yeah. So yeah, a million things condensed down into I don't know how many, 10 words or so. Fair to say you've got a pretty broad product portfolio to complete that mission.
1: Rob, you hit it perfectly. It's a portfolio that we can go from having a conversation about telecom into a contact center into a remote IT support and management solution.
0: So this has got to create some excitement and challenge from a partnering perspective and developing your your channel strategy and your partner program. And I was hoping we could dive into that aspect of it today. And we we may sidetrack into other areas, but what impact does it have to have such a diverse product line? And it's not like you said, in so many different areas as well. You know, I actually
1: embrace it. And I embrace it because It allows us the opportunity to work with all different types of partners. Now, I don't know of any one partner that can sell every type of technology that vendors would like partners to sell. Yeah. But, you know, we've been blessed to be able to identify the right type of partners we want to work with to make sure that we're doing the things that allow them to be successful with their businesses using our
0: technologies. So you're kind of forced into an ecosystem strategy because you can't rely on one type of partner.
1: No, and I think it would be unfair to, because then there's a subset of the partners that we wouldn't be allowed to work with, or or maybe not say allowed, that we wouldn't be putting things in place to be extremely efficient for those partners.
0: Yeah. I was checking out your website, and I always go to the partner page to get an overview of a partner program. You describe just about every type of partner I think imaginable. Can you describe, maybe just for the listeners, those different classifications of how you categorize different partners?
1: Yeah. And I think the categorization, categorization of a partner is more by the motion of how they want to go to market. All right, so I think for some of the product set, and because we are also a global entity with partner operations in all locations, people in those markets that are actually working daily with partners. We have to be in that manner. Now, in Latin America, for example, 100% of what we do in Latin America is driven by the partners. And to be able to reach those partners, you might see a categorization of a distribution partner. You might see a categorization of a resell or referral partner. So it's really the, the definition of partner is really just how do they choose to go to market? And then how do we reach them by creating aspects of our partner program whether that be partner marketing, partner enablement, partner support, even the partner contracts that allow them to be successful with GoTo.
0: Yeah. So you have resellers, you have VARs, VADs, service providers, referral partners, system integrators, probably GSIs, you name it. Anything that we typically know that we deal with, you have those in your partner program selling one or more of your product's lines.
1: Yes. And I think even within all those different definitions that partners either give themselves or the industry vendors give the partners, there's a convergence of them as well. As they're starting to diversify what they do, how do we ensure that we have the capacity to work with them in the different models that they see effective?
0: Yeah, it is getting very hard to classify them. You've got to figure out their business model. What direction are they going in? And then how do you adapt to that? What does this mean for your partner program? You know, there are different approaches you can take, like a one-size-fits-all global partner program or break it down into regions, or how far have you gone in, in segmenting the program?
1: Well, I think it started when we changed the naming of it back in 2022 from the channel program to the partner program. The channel nomenclature, it just seemed like it, it became too close to something that was only based on a transaction. Yeah. Then we changed it to the partner program so that we could truly focus it on developing the partnerships. And now in the last, oh, probably nine to 10 months, it's become more synonymous with the partner network. So the go-to partner network, because a really interesting thing that we found is that inside of our partner network, there's partners that work with each other on how they're going to fulfill these opportunities. The GSIs that we work with globally, well, a lot of times they have partnerships inside of our network, that
0: allow them to fulfill demand into different markets that could be with a reseller or maybe a small boutique service provider
1: absolutely it could be a piece of an integration a delivery of service in certain locales as well
0: yeah i'm curious when you made that name change on your program was there a name change on the title of your i don't know if you had channel account managers
1: Yeah. And that all of that changed from the top to the bottom. And it also coincided with when we went from all the different types of technologies we were known for in the past, when it was the days of LogMeIn and all the products under LogMeIn, the part of the business that was Jive, which is now everything under GoTo. So the company transforming into GoTo, the partner organization becoming that the GoTo partner network, but then at every level. So if you were a regional channel manager. You know, now you're a partner manager because they're true partnerships that we're after.
0: Yeah, it's it's in a way a subtle difference, right? We we really feel it because we've I've been in the channel, right? It's like that's my baby, the channel. But it's a subtle difference, I think, and also a change in name, but a change in expectations of the team and what you need the team to do in in managing and growing that that go to network, right? No doubt
1: about it, because again, the the channel it just seemed to have this. This relationship where people saw it as simply a route to market, or for some, nothing more than a lead generation source. But no, in a true partnership, in the true partnership of what we strive for every day, we're allowed to be authentic in that relationship. And when we can be authentic with a partner, it really allows both parties to see where we're good and where we can improve to get even better.
0: I'm curious, I wanted to ask you about that name change going from Log Me In to Go To. What impact did that have on the partners? Was that a big lift for them? And, you know, you just think about all the branding and messaging and market awareness and everything that goes into that.
1: Yeah, it was no easy task. And for a lot of them, there were certain questions that they wanted to ask and answer. You know, a lot of it would say, wait, what does this mean to the product itself? It actually meant nothing to the product. In, if, in anything, it allowed us to enhance the product because we had more of an ability to invest into the product in the different markets. There's still though there is a lot of brand equity in what was known as something like and Rescue. Right? It was it still is the gold standard in an area of remote IT support. But with that there was definitely a little bit of saying, "Wait, did GoTo buy you and they're going to white label what and Rescue used to be?" Nope. it's still the same exact product. It, it's the same exact organization supporting it. It's just going to be now known as GoTo as the company that's allowed to bring you all these IT services globally. Yeah.
0: How did you get that message out to the partner community? Because you, A, you want your partners to know, and B, you want your partners to tell the right story to your customers.
1: Yeah, our partner enablement organization is outstanding. You know, Because we do work in so many different parts of the world, you know, we have to ensure that we have the right people that understand the level of education of what we want from partner enablement. So that means we are localizing things in different languages to be able to reach those markets. So you know, I, I'm a very firm believer that If we enable the partner managers, they have a way better chance of enabling the partners than if we only tried to aim it at the partners. So it's absolutely back again to that, to the partnership itself. When we're better internally, we can bring those things externally. Now, I think it's the same with our direct sales organization and the collaboration they have with all of our partners. When we enable our direct sales organizations to truly understand what a partner is, those relationships have gotten so strong. And the reason I feel super confident in saying that was our last NPS grew by 30 points from the global partner organization that the detractors are so low and the promoters are so high. And we're seeing that as a result of the success we're having with all those partners.
0: That's great. Yeah. I think one of the things that can really drag you down on that front, we've just started doing partner NPS scoring this year. And when you read the detractor comments, many times it's related to the sales rep behavior, right? That's, as always, you know, that's a big point of contention. So if you're if you're successful there, that will absolutely lift those partner MBS scores and the partner experience.
1: Yeah, and I think it's the stuff that you and I have seen over all our years doing this. The, the transformation uh, and the expectations of what we need as vendors, what the partners need, and how do we truly come together versus just looking at one thing for one thing they do.
0: Yeah, meaning... And that one thing was the transaction, right? Absolutely. Bring me leads and let's run a deal through a partner. That's it. Yeah. And I love that it's a much broader conversation now. I think it's just so much more healthy for everyone involved, especially the customer. Yeah. And it had to be, right?
1: Because you know when the, the channel was created, there was so much hardware transaction going through it. Now, you know, we, we all know hardware is still an important part in many areas, but because now things are so much software based. And the way that integrations can come into play and the way that people can access anything at any time we had to recognize that transformation if we were going to survive in a partner world yeah
0: we are so busy everyone's so busy now you know you get your calendars that are just packed with with back-to-back calls and everything how do you and your team find enough time in the day to manage this diverse global partner ecosystem across all these different products
1: you know it absolutely has to start with discipline It has to start with also recognizing that we cannot be an expert in all areas as it comes to the product itself. So we've organized our teams that each of our areas has specialization for that. Our partner manager is the tip of the spear in any engagement with the partner. And then what have we done to enable them and arm them with the resources they need to make their partners extremely successful? That might be a sales executive. It could be a solutions consultant on the enablement side as well. But it's also the, the fact that inside of our organization, they know that when someone from the partner comes ringing the bell, the partner team comes to ring the bell, it rallies the troops to allow us to provide and support these partners in their local areas on the product that they're doing.
0: How have you organized your, your
1: partner team? Yeah. So we, we still look at it from a regional perspective, but localized to the markets of where they want to operate. So the team that supports our partners in Latin America they're in the countries with the partners there's not a remote aspect to it the same in north america how can we make it that someone's able to get in a car and go and see a partner versus having to to get on an airplane and travel across the country you know we wanted that local local relationship because it created that as well you know you you might find that with you and your partners you have kids that go to the same school or wow your parents work together in a past career how much can we create from the authentic relationship and it was surrounding the partners in the markets in which they operate.
0: And do you have different types of partner managers or does that regional or local partner manager manage all across all the different partner types?
1: For the most part, we allow the partner managers to be autonomous so that we can support a bigger portfolio of partners. We do have a certain areas of specialization, and that might be based upon availability of certain products in the telecom side. Not every market in every world can be covered from one single vendor on the telecom side. So we might see some markets are much stronger with our remote IT solutions. And those partner managers are only working with partners in the remote IT solutions aspect. But also at the same time, because we all know partner managers might be driven by their compensation, We don't want them to neglect any piece of the portfolio. So we allow them to have access to every piece of the portfolio.
0: That's an interesting one, compensation. And we've been taking a a hard look at this at Beyond Trust too. And this year we got very specialized in our compensation to drive behavior. And we were really trying to change behavior to transition from the more transactional view to the partner network or partner ecosystem view, right? So we set up elements of the comp plan. And it ended up getting fairly complex, maybe overly complex to drive that behavior. But that also means complexity and how you tag opportunities and track things like that. And now we're looking at much greater simplification. Have you tackled that? Are you facing some of the same issues? Yeah. And
1: I think we have to be mindful that that can't just be inside of our organizations, but how simple can we make it for the partners to understand that same aspect as well? We see, uh, press release or headlines about a promotion certain organizations are running. And they seem so convoluted. And I think partners will say, if I can't understand this, I can't sell it because I don't understand how I can create the revenue for my organization doing it. So simplification internally, as well as simplification externally, because the easier we can make a product to understand, we the easier we can make a partner understand how they can receive compensation for it. It really helps them think in our world, think go to first, so that we can be the leader in
0: all of these and not the lagger. Yeah, I think partners always want you to keep it simple. Simple means better experience. And it's just like us, right? In our shopping, we, we want simplicity. We, who needs more complexity, right?
1: Absolutely, right? Think of how many products a partner has access to today. It's immense. And when they find consistency and reliability with one, they tend to lead with it.
0: Yeah. So back to your program, is your is your program strategy to have pretty consistent, partner benefits and discounts and all requirements across all the different product lines?
1: Consistency as much as possible, but knowing that not one partner will have everything in their portfolio. And really that's just in the DNA of who that partner is. Yeah. But I mean, consistency is nice, but we also can't say it's a one size fits all model. So we are nimble and agile to know where do we have to make change to stay ahead of the curve?
0: Yeah. And does that mean regional differences or product differences or both? It could be both. It could well, product no. I mean the the product
1: itself, we're able to stay consistent with it because you know, that turns into we don't want to make certain products specific because then we have to look, you know, reliability and you know, how are we storing these from a in a data center or whatever that might be. But across the partners themselves, the consistency is the partner manager. And then they have to have the knowledge of what does their partner require so that they can get to the specialization.
0: Yeah. What are some of the top challenges that you're working on or have worked on this year and going through this whole migration and transformation?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, the, the challenges with that always is, are we being bold enough to capture the minds of as many partners as possible? But at the same time, knowing We might not have every resource to capture every partner. So then as we start to see partners coming to us and raising their hand and saying, I want to be a partner with GoTo, it's really understanding what their business goals are so that we have the right fit, whether it be the people, the program, or the product to help us be successful with each other and being brave enough at the same time that if a partner is coming to us and asking for things that are completely unreasonable in any of those categories, the compensation, the product itself, the go-to-market motions, we have to be mature enough to say, I don't think we're gonna be a good fit. Because that's only fair to both sides of the of the coin.
0: Yeah, I agree. Have you had to upskill your team to, you know, move to this new network model?
1: You know, it, it wasn't so much the upskilling, but helping them understand that when you are new to a role, new to a company, you know, your first couple of weeks are your onboarding. Well, we call it everboarding. You know, we have to always consistently be seeking to get better. And I think part of that is the upskilling. It's driven by the individual. We're going to give you every opportunity to be successful, yeah. you know, whether it is a, from an internal educational standpoint with our enablement team. But we also encourage our people to take 10 minutes a day. Take 10 minutes a day and go and learn something new, something new about your industry, about your market, whatever it might be. Yeah. And then at the end of the year, if you've taken 10 minutes a day, and that's all, 10 minutes a day. I know all of us can find 10 minutes a day. Times 365 days. How many minutes ahead of the competition are you going to be just by simply
0: investing 10 minutes in yourself? Yeah. No, that's, I think that's great advice. Something I need to do. And you're right. You think about 10 minutes that you waste during the day that you could apply to that. And where do you send them? Is it LinkedIn has great learning courses that we've, we've been starting to leverage? Is that one of your sources? What else are you looking at?
1: Well, we definitely encourage them to listen to your
0: podcast. <laughs> well, thank you, especially this one, Mike.
1: Absolutely. No, but I think it's that, you know, it's part of saying that yeah, we do allow them to have a certain level of expense as well towards betterment of themselves. So inside of the organization, we do have um, executive coaches to an extent. We do allow them to access things that are external betterment groups, right? You might go on there and say, hey, I want to get better at understanding this. So we will help you find what that topic is and then someone in your market that, that can do it, especially if it's in a native language to you. So I'll say, for example, one of the areas I really wanted to focus on was understanding the different cultural norms for Latin America. Now, we have a very large partner organization in Latin America. So when I went to go to and we use a third party to do this, they said, perfect, we need to match you with this coach. Who has the roots of Latin America and also the understanding of the business? So we would meet every week for 30 minutes. And it was an outstanding experience because it helped me understand things that can motivate and also demotivate by terms that we think we use every day in North America that might have a completely different meaning in South America.
0: Yeah. Anything that stuck out that you learned? Yeah, but I can't repeat it. <laughs> that, I think that is so important, Mike. That's, you know, as a global leader, We need to know these things and we rise up through the ranks and do a fair amount of global business. But um, I'm sure there's still today things that I'm not aware of or that I've forgotten. Yeah. I need to become reacquainted with or maybe things have changed a little bit, you know, in in the cultural norm of because technology is influencing it so much as well.
1: You mean like AI?
0: Yes. (laughs) (laughs) That's a big one. Yeah, that's a whole nother can of worms. Absolutely. Yeah, I love that though, but really emphasizing personal responsibility and training and educating and upskilling yourself. One area that I find with this new network ecosystem strategy is just the business acumen of the partner manager, right? And it's it, it, that is so important to really be able to have meaningful conversations about business models with your partners and how they're transforming their business models. And that's an area that I find lacking, where where the partner managers need help.
1: Yeah, preach on, preach on. Because I agree, it's no longer just, can I be the expert of my product? It's, I need to be the expert of your business. And do you grow your business based on a percentage of a recurring commission model? Or are you more focused on a gross margin model? How do you compensate your sales reps? How do you plan to keep your doors open? What are your goals over the next couple of years? Are you trying to grow this business? Are you trying to sell it? Are you trying to acquire something else? So it's absolutely the transformation of saying, I'm an expert in the products and how I can bring them to market with you to saying, how can I be a business coach to you as well based on what I've learned? Yep, exactly.
0: Well, starting to wrap up here, question for you, VP Global Partner Sales. Talk about your journey a little bit. I was having a chat with someone earlier today about, you know, how do you work in your career up to this level? And what are some stepping stones to get there? How have you been able to progress your career to get to this level?
1: Yeah, I think it's been early on, and I don't know what it was, but I adapted or I adopted that I'm not going to be afraid to fail. Yeah. You know, whether that was when I was younger trying to say, and I'm going to go off to college, do I stay close to home or do I go far away? You know, would do I live on campus or off campus? And really in the back of my head was always like, if I make a mistake, The worst thing that could happen is that I'm back at home living with mom, right? But wow, what if I take some chance? What if I take some risk? And that was the second element of it is let's not be afraid to fail and it's okay to take some risk. No, the upside of it is enormous. But I think part of that as well has been don't stop learning. Take every opportunity we can to learn something new. And that might be in an institutional setting of a classroom. It could be in a virtual setting using some of the really outstanding virtual learnings that are out there. Or again, just finding a book, finding a podcast, finding something on social media that helps us learn. And every day we can consume that. And then after that, it was establish a network, a network of people where you're not the smartest one in the room.
0: Yeah. No, I think those are great pieces of advice that that not having that fear of failure is a, is a really big one. You got to take some risks. And that was kind of how the conversation went that I was having and just pointing out, you know, it was through adversity and failure that that's where I had my biggest learning moments. And they weren't fun at times. <laughs> they were very painful at times, right? And sometimes it really set me back on my heels, but you really just have to power through that and step back and reflect, okay, what did I learn from that? And then charge ahead. No doubt
1: about it. And when we can learn to not be afraid of failing, We'll start to fail faster so we don't repeat the mistakes.
0: Yeah, and I think that's becoming a theme in companies too, right? It's fail fast, fail fast, learn from it. Don't be afraid to take incremental risks of what you do.
1: Yeah. And it's okay to be wrong, but it's not okay to be late. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. I learned that one on early on too. And that's such a tough one too, you know, when you have all these back to back meetings. And I, I don't like that because you're late. Your first meeting goes long and then like the rest of your day, you're running late. And that's just not good behavior.
1: Agree. Agree. Because time is the only thing you and I can't get more of. Yeah. Do you have technology for that yet? Uh, we're, we're almost there. <laughs> it's part of the
0: AI suite. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I want to see that in your new, uh, new product suite for sure. All right. Awesome. How about passions outside of work when we're not so busy here? What do you like to do? Yeah.
1: So I love to go by the tagline of soccer dad coach and mentor. And how can I take those things and apply it to my family, my kids, all of their friends? No, I I do coach a very competitive youth soccer team in the state of Colorado. And it just drives me to get better when you can see that change, when you can see that. And also, you have to bring into that type of role. (laughs) Don't be afraid to fail.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's a very noble calling. Were you a soccer player in school? Yeah,
1: I was fortunate enough to find that as a sport I loved as a youth, carry it on through my days in the academic world, and then use that as a way of really the foundations of team building and networking and things of that
0: nature. I'm jealous. I was a total klutz. I couldn't. I was not very good at it. But look at you now. You've recovered well. (laughs) Look at me. Yeah, talking about failure. That was one of them. (laughs) All right, Mike. Fantastic chatting with you. Really enjoyed the conversation and and best of luck closing out the year and uh, all the planning work for next year. Same to you, Rob. Hope to see you soon. All right. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Channel Journeys. For show notes and other Channel Journey podcasts, visit channeljourneys.com. If you liked today's show, please forward it to your channel friends and be sure to tune in for Rob's next channel adventure. All right, guys. What a great conversation with Mike. So many powerful tips. One of my favorites is the idea of investing 10 minutes a day to learn something new. Multiply that by 365 days in the year and just imagine how far ahead of your competition you'll be. Get started by taking 10 minutes to learn more about Impartner and their awesome partner management and partner marketing automation solutions. Check them out at impartner.com. For all of today's show notes with Mike's tips, go to channeljourneys.com slash cj125. You can subscribe while you're there so you don't miss an episode. Thank you so much for listening, and, and thanks for all the fun supporting emails and LinkedIn messages that you send. I really love hearing how Channel Journeys is helping you achieve success. My interview schedule has been pretty busy lately with fantastic guests, so lots of powerful content to come. Until then, have an awesome Channel Journey.